This is Brandon House Live. Whether the issue is law, science, economics, history, family, social issues, education, religion, government, or national security, Brannon brings the issues of the day into clear focus through the lens of a Judeo-Christian worldview. And now, here is your host, Brannon House. Good evening. Glad you are with us tonight here on Friday night, February 16th, 2024. Joining me tonight is going to be James Rogoski. We're going to give you an update on the World Health Organization. Remember, that's uh, an organization run by Tedroth. I think we can call him a Marxist, can we not? Certainly a globalist tied back to the United Nations. That's what the World Health Organization is, the UN. Uh, and by the way, the UN, their UN guy came out the other day and said, uh, well, here it is. UN Relief Chief. Hamas is not a terrorist organization. Oh, yeah. Let's trust our health to the United Nations that doesn't even think that Hamas is a terrorist organization. Certainly, they should have known that before October 7th of last year, but they should know that for sure now after they were involved in raping and murdering 1,200 Jews, raping them, gang raping them, cutting off body parts while they're alive, and burning them alive. But no, they're not a terrorist organization, says the UN. Well, this is the same clowns behind the World Health Organization. And of course, go do your homework on Tedros, where he got his education and that institution's background with eugenics. Also joining us tonight will be Olivier Melnick. We'll talk about a sad study out that shows that many evangelical young people have no interest or concern about the nation of Israel or its people or the Jews of the world. Trevor Loudon is going to join us to talk about the uh, Black Panther background of Fannie Willis's father who just took the stand and the whole Fannie Willis charade. Can you believe there are DAs like that? Can you imagine having one of your family members uh, with trumped up charges, pardon the pun, and prosecuted by uh, a, a piece of uh, human refuge like that, that I mean, come on, folks. Talk about Romans 1, debased, darkened, hearted fools. Woo! And it's really sad. All right, then we're going to be joined by Dr. Mark Miller. Dr. Mark Miller, who was the, uh, and is, the formulator behind Bella Grace. Bella Grace, going to have a, a good conversation with him. I know our second time to interview Dr. Mark Miller about, um, well, some of the, some of the, uh, Results I've received personally. I want to ask him about some of the personal results I've received that I can testify to since getting on Bella Grace on December 2nd of last year. Are these results he has heard of before and are they kind of discussed in the clinical trials or not? We'll get, we'll get uh, some answers to some of my questions on that. That should be interesting. All right, joining me now is James Rogoski. You can find James on his uh, Substack, which is jamesrogoski.substack.com. He joins us to talk about proposal for negotiating text of the World Health Organization pandemic, pandemic agreement. There's an advanced copy and stop the treaty. All you need to do is share this information with other people and ask them to actually read the document. James, welcome back to the broadcast. Thank you for joining us. The past couple of years, um, and you've told me, you know, very clearly that if I've got any kind of breaking news, I should give you a call. So I do, and and here we are. Um, last night, I obtained an advanced copy of most of what they call now the proposed text 
for the WHO pandemic agreement. There's one article that is still missing, and I'll be writing an article um, about that. Article 12, um, they have not yet released. So we got about 90% of the document. And you know, let me ask you a rhetorical question, and, and then I'll answer it for you. Um, you know, what is the difference between evidence and hearsay? Okay, people who are listening to us today are going to hear what we say. And, you know, don't trust anything I say. Go look at the evidence. Read the darn document. What, what I witness in the media, you know, is somebody maybe gets a hold of some information and they tell somebody who tells somebody who tells somebody goes around the world a couple of times. And as soon as it, you know, goes from the first person to the sex, second person, it gets mangled. This document is so bad that all we have to do is encourage people to do their best to read it. And I can't imagine that anybody, unless they're on the receiving end of you know, the corruption that this would you know, engender, um, nobody who looks at this is gonna say, oh yeah, this is what we need. That's just not gonna happen. So get the evidence, download the documents, read them, um, form your own opinion, listen to what other people have to say, but um, get the evidence. Because, you know, if it's if it's misinformation, it's coming straight from the WHO. They're telling us what they want and basically what they want, I feel, is organized crime. They want to raise tons of money from the nations of the world to build out the pharmaceutical hospital emergency industrial complex in developing nations. They basically are negotiating a deal um, to build out a laboratory network, a pathogen access and benefit sharing system. And, you know, they don't call it this, but, you know, Article 12 is essentially the Oprah Winfrey clause. You get a Wuhan Institute of Virology and you get a Wuhan Institute of Virology. They want to build a laboratory network all around the world to go looking for pathogens with pandemic potential so that they can bring them into these laboratories and then do whatever it is they do to identify the genomic sequences to turn them into drugs and jabs that they can then get government money to pay for while they try to jab the people they missed the first time around. Wow. All right. So let's go to your article at James, uh, jamesrogoski.substack.com. But here you go. Below are excerpts from the leaked version of the proposal for negotiating text of the World Health Organization pandemic agreement. Um, do, first of all, do you want to tell us how you got these or not? Um, there's a uh, group in Geneva called um, Health Policy um, News, mm -hmm. and they, they, you know, have contacts in Geneva and they published it. Um, I did not hack anything. I did not, you know, I don't have any insider information. Just read their blog the other night yesterday and so i'm just you know we are. sharing it with okay. anybody that i know by the way and we have a congressman that came out we played the press conference extensively last week a congressman came out and said this is one of the most existential threats facing america today is the who treaty and he said uh, he's very concerned that the biden regime will put it into place not by a vote of the u.s senate as required by the u.s 
Constitution for a two-thirds majority vote to confirm any treaty, which would then become uh, equal with the U.S. Constitution, but that they would put it into place through executive agreement. You want to comment on that before we get to these uh, amendments? Um, they may certainly try, but um, I remember a number of years ago the Trans-Pacific Partnership. Oh, yeah, TTP. I, did all, I, I have a whole chapter in my, one of my books on that, uh, the TPP, and boy, howdy, that's a that was a bad document. And so, you know, it was signed by the Obama administration, right. but people power basically, you know, put the kibosh on that. And I'm I'm relatively confident. No, you know, nobody should count their chickens before their hatched. But I'm relatively confident there is no way in the world that this agreement could ever even remotely get close to two thirds consent from the Senate. All we need to do is get people to look at this. But what about we putting it in, in through executive? But what about executive agreement? What about going around the U.S. Senate? Because this is not the first time they've done that. They've implemented other procedures by uh, executive agreements. If you want to destroy your political life, that would be something that any administration in the world could attempt to do. The problem is we get to see what this document is. Now, the thing that you flashed up really quick was the mechanism okay but the real question is how much is this going to cost how much money do they want us to pay to build out the pharmaceutical hospital emergency industrial complex in other nations around the world they're, they're not letting anyone know you know what the totals are because what they're setting up is very different than the TPP in the sense that this would be a framework convention very much like the framework convention for climate change. They would be meeting year after year after year after year to make whatever decisions, protocols, amendments, whatever they might decide to do. This is so obviously organized criminal activity to take money and funnel it into the pharmaceutical industry building out laboratories and manufacturing plants and surveillance, you know, um, testing and all that sort of thing. They don't talk about health or anything that anybody would even remotely think of in terms of health, except for their one health approach, which is not about health. It's about doing genomic surveillance. Any swab that somebody puts up their nose or some other orifice or at your veterinarian, if you bring your as they call it, companion animal into the veterinarian, maybe have a stool sample. Or, you know, if you have a chicken coop or a farm with, you know, pigs or goats or horses or um, surveillance of wastewater, your septic system, your sewage treatment plant, your hospitals where they have the best anti you know, antimicrobial resistant organisms, you know, your local bat cave, your zoo, wherever. The purpose of this agreement would be to surveil the entire world looking for things to scare you with. They want to find pathogens with pandemic potential, bring them into the WHO certified laboratory network that you would pay for and they would operate in order to manufacture um, drugs or jabs to treat the problem that they're looking to cause. And so this is classic you know, Hegelian dialectic caused the problem and then offered the solution all the while profiting in a market sector that is profitable, unlike 
anything they could possibly deal with. When you've got governments throwing billions and trillions of dollars at emergency, you know, pandemic-related products, they've identified what they think is a spectacular market sector. They were very successful in turning a profit on it over the last four years, but they missed the third world, and they're coming for them this time. Um, incredible. Okay, so let's go back to these uh, documents that you have at your on your Substack. The governing body of the world, WHO pandemic agreement, shall adopt every five years, taking fully into account the international health regulations, a financial strategy on prevention, preparedness, and response to health emergencies and pandemics. And then it goes on from there, coordinated financial mechanism. Mechanism shall consist of pooled fund, uh, et cetera, et cetera. What, give us the cliff note version of what all these are saying to you. Um, they have fund envy. The United States Defense Department in 2022 um, declared that you know, they wanted to fund their um, global health agenda, global health security agenda, through the National Defense Authorization Act. In that act, which was signed in December of 2022, the US military is putting a billion dollars a year into the pandemic fund. Last year, they dished out over $300 million to 37 nations, a lot of Caribbean nations, African nations all around the world, to start building out the, you know, that laboratory network, essentially, if they can find the pathogens first, they get to profit from them. And so what the WHO is looking at from the very beginning, they've always said that they wanted a framework convention and they wanted to have $30 billion a year and a $100 billion emergency fund. And essentially their solution to prevent the next pandemic is not to talk to doctors about how to, you know, treat people and increase nutrition and immune function. You know, they're certainly not looking at the damage and the dangers from things like, you know, ventilators and midazolam and um, what I call run death is near and, you know, all of the many jabs. They are not even remotely talking about the problems that the solutions cause. They are doubling down by an order of magnitude, trying to build out the industry that has, you know, quite frankly, harmed people around the world with what was supposedly a solution to COVID. They feel that they missed out on the third world nations and the third world nations feel that they missed out on the profit that went along with what happened over the last four years. What happened in South Africa and Botswana with Omicron is probably the clearest example. They, by whatever means, you know, they claim to have identified a very different pathogen. According to the IHR, they felt they were obligated to share that genomic information with the world, which they did. And rather than, you know, being praised for their, you know, early um, actions and, and quick actions, they were met with travel restrictions. Mm. Then they watched as Pfizer and Moderna took that information and turned it into billions of dollars by incorporating it into the booster. They're not having it anymore. They want a piece of the pie, but that pie is rancid. You know, 
looking for profits from the pharmaceutical industry, um, you know, to make things that harm and, you know, poison people is, you know, a small evil compared to the big evil that we were dealing with over the past four years. And so when people actually get a look at what this is, I, you know, unless you're on the receiving end of the contracts that are right. going to be dished out. One, one of the things that Tedros said in, in a recent speech at the World Government Summit was, I believe I heard him correctly, and, and you have to, you know, do the metric system math. He said that they have a 20,000 square meter um, distribution center in Dubai. Well, let your head sort of think about how big that is. You know, picture the biggest Amazon distribution center you might find and just try to estimate how much money it would cost mm. to fill that with pandemic related products and, you know, keep them temperature controlled and all that sort of stuff. They want to be the controlling, you know, operator of the distribution network for pandemic related products. And they're well on their way to doing it. But the problem is they're having difficulty over intellectual property rights and manufacturing know-how and investment capital. Um, but what they didn't count on is people watching them. They didn't count on people such as you and me, you know, looking at what they're doing right. and talking about it. Um, once the light of day is shined on this, you know, potential agreement, I think it will have the same fate as the Trans-Pacific Partnership. We weren't even allowed to see, you know, congressmen were not even allowed to see that. I think you were talking about Congressperson um, Chris Smith. Right. Um, he clearly had read the previous document. I'm certainly going to work to get this into his hands so he can read the current version. Um, there's still that one important article missing. Uh, the If you scroll down in that article, Brandon, you go way the heck down on there. The schedule of events that are coming up is today is um, Friday. And on Monday, they start two weeks worth of meetings for the what everyone calls the treaty, but it's really a framework convention. And then the two weeks after that, they will be talking about the amendments and it will be specifically dedicated to the idea of equity. And so if you go way down in the article, it's a big article, you got a long way to go. Um, there, the schedule coming up is two weeks of discussions for the treaty, followed by two weeks of discussions for the amendments and equity, followed by two more weeks of discussions about the treaty and there's your there's your calendar um and so um they've already had the meetings in february for the wgihr that was last week next week coming up they have on friday a dual session with both groups for both documents and then into march jam-packed um two weeks for equity and the wgihr and then two more weeks for the treaty in april they've got a week wrapped around my birthday and then they're shooting for may um, for the World Health Assembly. Oof. Now so we're going to have a busy April, Mar March, and April and May, aren't we? We are, and and so um, I think they're going to have a hard time because I just encourage people: don't take my word for it. Don't operate on what you heard somebody say. Right. That's the definition <clears throat> of hearsay. Um, the documents are they speak boring. for themselves. They speak for themselves. But they speak for themselves, and you know. Look for the term companion animal, okay? Look for veterinarian. They don't 
just want to surveil you. They want to surveil your companion animals and all of you know the entire universe, quite frankly, so that they can find, as they term it, a pathogen with pandemic potential so that they can continue to be the terrorists that put fear into people in order to get government to throw money at what they say is a solution. But, you know, if injections that are supposed to prevent infection and prevent transmission actually don't do that, but damage your immune system and cause you to have a world of problems, I think those are better um, termed customer acquisition tools because the people who got jabbed are suffering more than they ever would have. And the more people who can wake up to the organized crime that is the pharmaceutical hospital emergency industrial complex, the better. This just lays it all out in their own documents. Read them, you know, come to your own opinion, but make sure you read chapter three because chapter three sets up the governing body of the uh, agreement. They had previously, and it's still in the document a few times, they didn't edit it very well. That's really a different term for the conference of the party. They want to set up an agreement that could be blank, quite frankly, but it would set up this new bureaucracy. They now call it the governing body of the agreement to meet year after year after year, very analogous to the 1992 Framework Convention for Climate Change. They reach an agreement that's just a framework, but then they meet year after year after year. It's like a zombie organization. You can't kill it. They just keep doing things. And so if you love what's going on in the world of climate change due to the framework convention and their conference of the party meetings, they just had you know COP28 in December. Um, if you like how that's all working out, then you'll love the framework convention for pandemic so if you prevention. Like, if you like what they're doing and getting rid of farmers and farmland and fertilizers and moving you off the rural area and saying that if you live in the rural area, you're racist, and getting you off fossil fuel and outlawing natural gas stoves and barbecues and weed blowers and lawnmowers and pushing electric cars on us. If you love all that, you're going to just love this because that's going to be the same thing, but in the area of so-called health and pandemic and health emergencies, correct? If you want somebody to be testing your companion animals or your chicken coop or, you know, whatever might be in the environment and going out to you know, the local bat cave or the pangolin enclosure, or if you're in Australia, you know, the koalas and the kangaroos, you know, one of those animals is going to have some kind of pathogen that they're going to find and try to make it so that it's humanized and make it sound scary because essentially what and then they're, they're going to force, then they're going to force vax on all of us, COVID passports on all of us. You won't be able to move. You won't be able to buy or sell. They're setting the whole system up. Read the document. Share it with your friend, um, form your own opinion, um, but your silence will be viewed as consent. Indeed. So let your senator know that you have access to the document and put their head in advice, you know, in a friendly way and get them to read it. And if they support this, um, they need to be voted out of office. And we, the people, can very easily do what we did 
almost a decade ago with the Trans-Pacific Partnership. They made it look like it was a done deal. They were trying to keep it secret. That's they were exactly trying to right. run it through. Um, apparently, you have a memory of those times. Um, yep. We just need to do the same thing all over again. Indeed. James rogoski.substack.com james rogoski.substack.com james as always thank you for all your hard work your labor your reading your research and then breaking it down for us so thank you so much for the service you're providing to us thank you brandon right back at you for having me on i appreciate it thank you sir uh and keep calling when we need to hear more james rogoski.substack.com we'll be right back with breaking news tonight as you know in fact here it is here is the breaking news folks Judge orders Trump to pay nearly $355 million in civil fraud trial. Uh, anyone think this is going to be appealed? We're going to ask Trevor Loudon about this here in a few minutes. Here's another one. Judge finds Donald Trump more than $350 million. Bars him from running his businesses in New York for three years. Oh, by the way, his sons are in this. Trump's adult sons are barred from serving as an officer or director of any New York corporation for two years. You can read his ruling. Is this is, the, is this that judge? That oh wow, it is. It's that Ergon's judge. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Are the sons liable? Oh yeah. For the sons, they've been ordered to pay four million dollars for their personal profits from the fraud. From the fraud, what fraud? Is that the one where they said the uh, valued uh, Mar-a-Lago at a said price? Hmm. And the judge decided he's an expert on real estate pricing. Is this the same judge, by the way, who? Uh, has reportedly been accused of his wife being a real activist, anti-Trump activist, that judge. Oh, boy. We're going to get a response tonight from Trevor Loudon here in just a few minutes, as, long, as well as talk to Olivier Melnick, folks. Still a lot to come here on Brandon House Live. Don't forget about the fact that you helped make this possible. Please consider going over right now to this website right here, superfoodshouse.com, superfoods house.com basically folks what it is is organic grown vegetables organic grown uh fruits and they're pulled out of the field they're not sprayed no pesticides no herbicides no glyphosate it's sustainably farmed organic non-gmo superfoods uh it's plant-based proteins high antioxidant fruits folks Fruits and veggies, they bring it into the facility, they juice it, then they dehydrate it, make it into a powder, and it ends up in a bag like this right here. Add healthy water, and you're drinking great dark berry protein. You can do the super meal, MVP sport. You can do the bio fruit, the beets, the carrots. Here's the carrots, soup, carrots, juice plus. Or you can go to the trouble of stocking your refrigerator full of a bunch of carrots, cleaning them, washing them, uh, and then juicing them, and then cleaning it all up. <laughs> I've been there, done that. Love it, by the way, but way too much work. This is a whole lot easier. You can get it individually in the pouches, or you can go ahead and do the whole 30-day program. Melissa, my wife of 33 years next week, is doing the entire 30-day program. You don't have to, but you can if you want. All the details, and by the way, a lot of you are signing up for this. Uh, all the details there are at superfoodshouse.com. Another great way, I think, to support support your health and this broadcast at the same time. In fact, here's a quick little commercial on that. Watch this. Superfoodshouse.com. Transform your life today. 
we have partnered with a superfood manufacturer and offer you a one-stop destination for organic, non-GMO superfoods at superfoodshouse.com. We offer a premium selection of nutrient-rich superfoods, from the revitalizing protein shakes to the Super Amino 23 protein tablets. These tablets help your body rapidly absorb protein, creating lean muscle and burning fat. Visit superfoodshouse.com right now and seize limited time offers on superfood products. With just a few clicks, you can have these nutritional powerhouses delivered right to your door. Superfoodshouse.com where wellness meets convenience. Your path to a healthier lifestyle begins here. Olivier, welcome back to the broadcast. Thank you for joining us. Hey, hey Brandon, how are you doing? Thank I'm you good. for having me. Thank you. Uh, let's talk about a couple things. Number one, you have a brand new article out over on your website, newantisemitism.com. Is the state of Palestine a possibility in our lifetime? I want to get to that in just a minute, but we have also tonight an article over at Worldview. Uh, let me go to there. That's the that's the back end where we load the articles. Worldviewreport.com. Worldviewreport.com. Here we go. If you go there, we have two articles up there tonight. Worldviewreport.com. Davos Resort Shop saying no renting sleds to Jews sparks anti-Semitism probe. And there's another one. No equipment rental for Jews. Signs at Swiss Ski Resort sparked anti-Semitism uproar. All right, let's go to the first one, Bloomberg. They're, they're reporting on this. There you go. They're reporting on this. I mean, this is hard to believe that this is going on in this day and age, but it does. Let's go to the other one. This one is at uh, uh, another uh, website out of Israel, I think. Um, tell yes. us about this, please. Well, uh, the, the, the sign was, uh, you know, I'm looking on my screen right now. The sign is in Hebrew. And uh, the translation says, after a series of annoying incidents, including the theft of a sled, we are no longer renting or sporting equipment to our Jewish brothers. That's what the sign says. Uh, that was a, that's about a week old. And uh, of course, it, it sparked a lot of criticism from, from, from different uh, groups, but the, mostly the Jewish community. Because when you think about it, uh, Brandon, if they have issues with theft or you know broken equipment, a sign on the door saying anybody who doesn't bring back the equipment in uh, in good in you know in, in in proper condition would be fine or would have to pay a fee or just like make a, a general statement. But the fact that they're saying Jewish people are responsible to break is is just an excuse to 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 basically. Uh, bar Jewish people from renting equipment because they just don't want to do business with Jews. This is 100% anti-Semitism. There's no way to spin this anyway, but anti-Semitic. Yeah, indeed it is. And of course, the spike in anti-Semitism is what? Up what percent year over year? Any idea? Oh, it, it keeps going up. I mean, it, depending on, 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 on various countries, it's anywhere between two or three hundred dollars, two or three dollars, two and three hundred percent to over a thousand percent. It is absolutely crazy. In Australia, I don't know if I, I mentioned that to you. In Australia right now, the, the Jewish community is very concerned because uh, pro-Palestinian groups and pro-Palestinian people have published information about the identity of Jewish people so people can know where they are. Tell me, tell me, tell, me tell me more about that, please. Well, basically, uh, I think it's called doxing. Uh, yeah, doxing, doxing someone, doxing, yeah. 
Right. And they're basically publishing information about who's Jewish, where they live, and, and, and to, to, to look, to, to, to um, identify who the Jews are and where they live. A parallel to that, we had in France, in Paris, and in the suburb, I think I talked to you about that last time we were together, uh, a, a stamping a stencil of Stars of David on buildings, uh, blue, dark blue Stars of David um, on buildings uh, to identify, again, where the Jewish people live and, uh, and uh, so that people can know where they are for whatever purpose. They're not saying, but this is... Well, this isn't, is it, really... isn't, it, isn't it pretty obvious what the purpose is? It's not because they well, want to make it... sure that you bring cookies and, uh, and flowers, is it? No, no. It, it basically, I wrote an article a couple of months ago, and I have another one coming soon about Chris. It was called Crystal Knock 2.0. Which, for those I who don't know, is the night that they uh, broke the glass of the shop owners and started hauling men off to the concentration camps. Uh, November, November, November uh, 10, 1938. This is the official uh, date of the start of the Holocaust. If you ask any historian, that is the official date of the start of the Holocaust. What I'm seeing right now, uh, Brennan, is a crystal nar a global the the preparation uh the say the stage is being set for a global crystal nar australia france um, uh, usa south america i mean everywhere they're going after uh, the jewish people they're 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 identifying where the jews are so what's next let me ask you about uh the rise of anti-semitism in the so-called uh conservative realm uh, we know, I'm not going to give them any publicity, but we know some of these people that are just saying the most horrific things about the Jews uh, in, that are supposedly conservative. I, I, and, they're, and they have a following in the, uh, uh, you know, the podcast world, whatever. Um, I understand from talking to one of my friends the other night that some of these people are now more popular than ever. Their audiences are bigger than ever. They, they, they didn't, they had okay audiences. But now that they've jumped on the anti-Semitic, Jew-hating uh, train, that their audiences are bigger than ever. You know, and I, I, that starts to make me wonder, no wonder so many people on the left, no wonder so many Jews who are on the left are very fearful and despise the right. Because frankly, I'm not saying there isn't Jew hatred on the left. There is. But I find it so disgusting that people on the right, you know, who are have been, uh, you know, touting so-called, you know, liberty, freedom, the anti-COVID shots, all those. I mean, a lot of what they've said, I agree with. But now all of a sudden they jump on this train. They're bigger than ever. No wonder, a lot, and they claim to be Christians or conservatives. No wonder so many Jews on the left are afraid of the people on the right because they hear the word conservative or Christian. That has some baggage, does it not? Well, it, it does have a lot of baggage uh, going back in history, uh, of course, but I think I know exactly what you're talking about. I was doing a, a recording with uh, with our common friend, Andy Woods. Uh, oh, yeah, he, would, have, he would be up to speed on that same character. And yeah, and uh, I, I know that I, I know you're talking about. And, and the reality, Brandon, is that uh, even though the conservatives and the right have been a lot more friendly to Israel and the Jewish people that, that the rest of, of the world would like to admit, the tide is changing because now uh, I, see, I see where we are right now, Brandon, as you know, Satan's final attempt at getting rid of the Jews so that when Jesus is ready to come back, he can't because the Jewish people have to call him at the end of the tribulation 
blessed is you who comes in the name of the Lord. He said to, to the Jewish people, surely you will not see me again until you say, blessed is you who comes in the name of the Lord. If Satan, who's the creator of anti-Semitism, can stop that, I've said that before on your show. So right now, Satan is desperate. He's trying everything he can. So he's pulling everything he can together. And now we're seeing people who are friendly to Jewish people becoming enemies of the Jews. And it's going to get worse and worse and worse. There's still going to be people like you and I and Andy Woods and, and others who are friendly to Israel, who will do anything to help Jewish people. But uh, we are uh, a dying breed. And the Jewish community needs to know we exist, but uh, we're not the majority, unfortunately. Mm. Look at this headline. Jerusalem Post, February 12th, 2024. Young evangelical support for Israel plummets. Support for Israel among young evangelicals has plummeted by over 50% in just three years posing a potential threat to American backing for the Jewish state. I'm not shocked by this, because most of your pastors, so-called pastors in the pulpit, they don't have anything to say about Israel. It's a non-issue. They don't talk about Israel, because many of them have been brainwashed in these uh, seminaries. So, you know, these liberal, even some of the evangelical seminaries. I mean, I'm, I'm hearing that... Um, even John MacArthur's seminary is moving away quickly from dispensationalism as they go more and more extreme neo hyper Calvinist. They're moving, you know, they're they're moving into the same world as Luther, who was quoted uh, by Hitler three times in mein, mein Kampf or the writings of uh, of uh, other Ka John Calvin, of which, of course, John MacArthur's whole seminary is all based largely on on John Calvin. So, I mean, the the writings of John Calvin, you would think was all to Adolf Hitler, but it's Calvin. But I'm hearing what were traditionally even dispensationalist reform, like John MacArthur's seminary, Grace to You, is moving away from dispensationalism very fast. What are you hearing? Well, um, yes, and, and, and even the uh, the seminary that I, I just graduated from uh, with my master's degree is moving away from dispensationalism, classical dispensationalism, uh, and uh, it was a, you know, it used to be for decades a bastion of dispensationalism. I won't. I won't say the name of it, but I'll just say that I live in Dallas. That that should be enough. <laughs> <laughs> just put the word seminary behind the first word Dallas, and you got it. That's right. But uh, it is. It, it really is not a bad place. Okay. It's just like things are changing. Uh, changing a little bit. But going back to the 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 the, uh, the youth, uh, you know, walking away from support of Israel. Uh, I was uh, having breakfast a couple of days ago. I was in Houston for a couple of meetings, and I was I was uh, talking with a pastor. Uh, and and he, he, he mentioned, he said that technically our youth, when they get into college or university, within six weeks, they're completely deprogrammed and reprogrammed. So if they come from a Christian family with support of Israel, uh, support of biblical values, Judeo-Christian values, within six weeks, it's, it's gone. And after that, of course, you know as well as I do that the Marxist agenda is going to be shoved down their throats. And they come out of, of university and colleges supporting the false Palestinian narrative, calling the Jews the, the new Nazis of the Middle East and, and being anti-Zionist and pro-Palestinian and, and looking absolutely at zero fact, uh, not looking at history, simply uh, buying the narrative because they think that they are uh, promoting social justice. That's, that's the, the new generation of uh, Gen Zs and millennials that we're dealing with, they're they're, they're not interested in truth. So uh, so they're not going to be uh, 
they're not going to be promoting uh, Israel. And like you said, they're they're not supporting Israel because those who are Christians and attend churches, the churches who, who support Israel are dwindling as well. I've seen a lot of churches since October 7th who actually have taken sides with the Palestinians. And, and it's just uh, uh, they haven't quite said that they support Hamas. But I mean, at this point, it could... It could be the next thing. I yeah. mean, I'm sure, and by the way, uh, have you heard, uh, Brandon, about what the, uh, I think it happened today, the United Nation, not the, the whole United Nation, not that it would make a difference, but the Undersecretary General uh, said today that Hamas is not a terrorist. Well, I just, happened, I just happened to have that queued up because we didn't rehearse this. I ha actually happened to have <laughs> it queued up. No, I'm not kidding because I was going to bring it up and we had time. Here we go. Let's play it. Here we go. We'll get that to play. Let me refresh the page real quick. Uh, it's out there on X. Uh, sometimes when the pages sit quiet too long, they kind of go to sleep and need a quick refreshing. Um, all right, ready, Tommy? Here we go, Tommy. In terms of Israel's plan to eliminate Hamas and have them never be part of any future negotiation when it comes to Gaza, do you think that's realistic? I think it's very difficult. And as you say, I've, I've worked with many, many, many different terrorist and, and, and insurgent groups. Uh, Hamas is not a terrorist group for, for us, of course, as you know, it's a political movement. It's a political movement. Hamas is not a terrorist organization. It's a political movement. That's all right, because uh, this moron, their charter, their charter absolutely calls for the elimination of the Jewish state. OK, come on. Uh, Brennan, if Hamas am I right? Am I right about that, by the way? Oh, yeah, yeah, the charter, I mean, absolutely, their charter is clearly calling for the destruction of Israel. If Hamas is not a terrorist group, then Hitler was the leader of the Boy Scouts of Germany. I mean, seriously, it's, it's ridiculous I, I, that he would even... That he would even say that publicly. A lot of people think that, but they don't say. But th that he would say it publicly. Well, I mean, come on, look UN. at the guy. Look at the guy. Really, let's take a look. I'm sorry, I don't usually judge people by his looks, but come on. Does that guy look like he's a real bright dude? And, and of course, you know he's not bright. He's sitting there with the backdrop of the United Nations behind him. He's with working with one of the most anti-Christian, anti-Jewish, anti-freedom organizations and institutions in the world. We just. We just did a segment on the World Health Organization and what they're trying to do. That's the UN. The WHO is the UN. I mean, let's not forget, we, it, in itself, is a terrorist organization. I believe the United Nations is a terrorist organization. They're never going to admit that. So you think they're going to admit that another terrorist organization is a terrorist organization? Do you think the United Nations and their UNRWA, their UN school in Gaza, which is helping to create supplementary curriculum that we have, and we did a program on a month ago, encouraging those kids in Gaza to hate the Jews, to be involved in jihad, to eliminate the Jewish people, that some of the graduates of that school were some of the terrorists on October 7th, that's proven, that some of the teachers of the school were on social media, celebrating what happened to the Jews on October 7th, some of the people from UNRWA in Gaza. The United Nations is a terrorist organization. What about the, the genocide of the UN and their blue-helmeted soldiers? Even PBS knows their blue-helmeted soldiers are notorious for raping women and children. So no wonder a, a guy at the UN doesn't see Hamas as a terrorist organization. He sees them as partners. Brennan, I wish you would tell our audience how you feel about the UN. 
You don't disagree, you don't disagree with me, right? No, you but you're too soft. <laughs> no, I don't disagree with you. The UN is 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 you know uh, it's a disgrace. Uh, uh, it, it, you can't take him seriously. Uh, you know, to the, to the credit of, of, of the current administration, and I'm not a big fan of it, the U.S. came after the U.N. saying you cannot not call Hamas a, a terrorist uh, organization. So you got to give credit to somebody in our uh, administration right now who actually uh, realized that this, this you know, it, it could not be said, but they said it anyway. But it, it is know. an election year. And they do want the Jew. They want the support of liberal Jews. So let's give it that, right? Well, and I mean, and, this is the yeah, same organization that's funding Iran to the tune of billions of dollars. So do you really think they're offended by what the guy at the UN just said? No, it's an election year. Yeah, well, may, maybe I'm too kind. I'm too <laughs> you kind. are. You're too kind. <laughs> All right, let's go to this last one before I have to go to um, Trevor Loudon. Guys, get Trevor so we can keep moving. We're running out of time. Here we go. Is the state of Palestine a possibility in our lifetime? Article at newantisemitism.com, published just a few days ago, February 12th, by my guest and friend, Olivier Melnick. All the talk of a Palestinian state. There's never been one. The people aren't from there. We don't have to tell the history again. Right. The Philistines, right. you know, that's what the Roman emperor said. We're going to call them uh, Palestine, uh, the, the, name it Palestine. Uh, and it's really the Philistines. We're naming it after the enemy of the Jews. And then here comes Yasser Arafat and all their buddies. We're the Palestinians. You know, you're not. You were, your, your DNA doesn't even report back to that part of the world or time. I'm sorry. You're not a people. You don't exist. You've never had a state never had a currency, never had your own culture. I mean, come on. But is there going to be a Palestinian so-called state in our lifetime? Well, I mean, right now, uh, a week ago, the uh, the U.S. administration was actually toying with the idea of recognizing Palestine. I mean, it would be the perfect, uh, perfect storm. I mean, it's like it couldn't be worse time right now to recognize Palestine when there's been a terrorist attack by a group that's not a terrorist, of course. <laughs> Uh, uh, terrorist attack to, against Israel. 1,200 uh, people died. Two, over 200 uh, were taken hostages. And the three points I make in my article is, number one, Palestinians must be a real, a, a real people group. Of course, they're not. Palestinians must seek peace with Israel, which, of course, they have not since the beginning of, of, of uh, since 1948. And they must apply the funding that's given to them by many countries properly, which, of course, they're not. They're building tunnels with money for humanitarian aid. And, and that's just to, the, to scratch the surface. So I don't think Palestine uh, is is going to happen in our lifetime, but it's good. they're going to continue to push for it. They're going to continue to push for it. And and the problem is that our, the, 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 there's the shift in the, in, in the demographics and in the population. More younger people and the supporters of Israel are, you know, it's us and older people, and we're going to be disappearing, and the next generation is going to go like, we want no Israel at all. And, of course, that's not the biblical end of the story. Israel will never be forsaken, Jeremiah 31, 35 through 37. If you want to destroy Israel, count the stars, measure the moon and everything. Impossible. God will never forsake Israel. But uh, uh, the haters of Israel will continue to push for Palestinian state because right now, uh, when you notice, uh, uh, Brandon, by the way, is that right now they're, they're, they're trying to, to, to um, paint Israel as guilty killers of people in the Gaza Strip. But within a week, nobody was talking about October 7th anymore. 
nobody is mentioning the 1,200 people murdered in Israel, you know, burnt alive, uh, uh, de de decapitated, uh, raped. Nobody's mentioning that anymore. They're only mentioning the response, calling it a, uh, a humanitarian uh, crisis. So, you know, it's it's just, uh, it's double standard. Before we're done, uh, uh, Brandon, I want to mention- And, and, and by the, the way, I just want to mention this. The, the, the World Court rules no further measures against Israel needed uh, right now. So the decision comes after South Africa asked the World Court to consider whether Israel's plan to extend its offensive in Gaza to the city of Rafah requires additional emergency measures. So there you go for now. For now. Hey, uh, before you uh, you mentioned this, uh, you know, I'm still at newantisemitism.com, but this is all going to migrate because, you know, I started my new ministry, uh, Brandon, and uh, it's called shalominmessiah.com. Shalominmessiah.com. And this is a nonprofit that I started with another gentleman and to promote uh, the fight of antisemitism and reaching the Jewish community. And so um, I, if people go to newantisemitism.com, they will find my articles. But in the next few weeks, the whole, the whole website, the new app, everything will be under shalominmessiah.com. They can go there right now. There's options to choose different things and support our ministry. But it's in transition and being built. So thank you for that. All right. Thank you, as always, Olivier. Appreciate your being with us. Joining me now is Trevor Loudon. He has a broadcast with us. He's moved to the weekend, folks. Some of some of you are asking, what happened to Trevor? He's moved to the weekend. We'll be letting you know when that new weekend show will start. But he's still around. He's just so busy traveling. He's having a hard time holding down a regular 30-minute daily show. Uh, so we're going to move him to the weekend so we can accommodate his travel schedule as well. He joins us because we have the breaking news tonight. Judge orders Trump to pay nearly $355 million in civil fraud trial. Their uh, Trump adult sons are barred from serving as officers or director of any New York corporation for two years. I guess they've also been ordered to pay $4 million. Yeah, he ordered them each, Trump's sons. They're liable for multiple fraud counts. Four million from their personal profits from the so-called fraud. Uh, what is the fraud? Uh, we'll get to that. This is the same crazy judge, right? That uh, wife is apparently and reportedly a rabid Trump hater. And uh, what's the deal here? They don't like the way he valued uh, Mar-a-Lago. Uh, joining me now is Trevor Loudon. Trevor, welcome back to the broadcast. We'll also get, by the way, to Fannie Willis. Hello, Trevor. Hi, how are you, Brandon? I'm great. What do you make of this uh, breaking news tonight? Well, you think there might be a little bit of political motivation in here, Brandon? I do. Like a little bit, perhaps? I do. You know, yeah, this is the problem now, that the justice system is so politicized. Even if you got a legitimate case, you know, it's tainting all cases now because, you, you know, I don't know all the facts of the case, but you've got to assume that you, you've got... It is more useful to know the ideological background of the judge than it is to know the facts of the case when you're trying to predict an outcome here. Well, I mean, again, this is so dangerous for those who have worked their whole life to build a business, to build property. I mean, why would anyone want to ever stay in any of these crazy liberal states like New York? Not that there aren't some decent, good people that live in New York, but I mean, again, and, and not that we could see this kind of stuff happen in Tennessee or Arkansas, but the chances of it are a lot less likely to happen. I mean, we've got a really good attorney general 
from everything I'm seeing and hearing. We got a really good attorney general here in Tennessee. We've got you, a pretty you do, you do Brandon. We got a pretty strong legislature here in the state of Tennessee. I I think we could do better with the governor, but uh we got a good legislature and a good attorney general. Um why on earth are people staying in these states? Why are they not cashing out and getting out of these states? <laughs> well, people don't want to be driven from their homes, do they? And No, they don't, but sometimes you better do it. The Jews didn't want to leave Germany or Poland. How'd that work out? Yeah, I know. But we, we're in the United States here. We got to, we got to fight. And, and we don't give up on, on, on states, in my opinion. I go to California. You want to see the conservatives out there. There's millions of them. And, but they are dispirited because the Republican Party is very poorly led. And it doesn't fight. And they lose a lot of races. So they don't get involved in the process. And, and this is the same. We saw when um, Lee Zellner ran for the governor of New York, how that lifted the whole Republican base in New York. We won, what, three or four seats, three or four seats in New York in that, in that time. So with good leadership, strong leadership, you can still win even in states like this. But, but the point you're getting at is, yes, Brandon, um, the justice system is politicized against conservatives now. So conservative businessmen must be thinking, why would I spend all my money in Pennsylvania or New York when I could bring my plant down to Florida and enjoy the sunshine and keep my money? You know, what? <laughs> I can understand why a lot of them are doing it. Well, but, but, but that's the thing I said. The Democrats don't care. They don't, they don't care about this because their goal is to create a two-class system, a few very rich and a whole bunch of very poor. That's the pattern in how New York's gone. That's how California's going. That's how Illinois is going. You know, this is, this is the Democrat model, the socialist model. Well, Marjorie Taylor Greene has put out this tonight. Democrat, uh, Democrat Judge Ergon just ordered President Trump to pay $364 million to New York State in the case brought by AG uh, Letitia James. This is outrageous. This case has had zero victims. Well, the bank, you know, Trump, but, quote, defrauded, provided testimony in defense of Trump's hotels. The entire case is built off the absurd claim that President Trump's first class Mar-a-Lago situated on some of the most expensive property in the country and the world is worth only 18 million. Mar-a-Lago itself is probably worth more than 364 million. This sham persecution is uh, Letitia James fulfilling her campaign promise to go after Trump, a nasty woman. These people belong in jail for the abuse of power they're wielding against President Trump and his family. We must end this weaponization of our justice system. Marjorie Taylor well, Greene uh, tonight. See, this is my argument here. Letitia James is a Marxist. Wait, a wait, wait, you broke up for a second. Letitia James is a Marxist? Is that what you said? Absolutely. She hung, she's hung around with the Communist Party USA and Democratic Socialists of America. This puts it in the real context. This isn't just malicious Democrats. These are Marxists. Letitia James is a Marxist, and she needs to be called out for that. Just like Fanny, Fanny Willis is the daughter of a Black Panther Mark. Just like the, you know, you most, most of these judges and prosecutors have connections to the National Lawyers Guild, which is a communist organization. This is what we need to be saying here, Brandon. These are Marxist-driven prosecutions. They are revolutionary prosecutions. 
It is not just political malice. This is a revolutionary process here. Yeah, indeed it is. All right, let's go to Fannie Willis. Have you, you obviously you've seen some of the clips from that. We played some of that yesterday, right? Yeah. I mean, what a what a joke. Uh, I mean, can you imagine? Can you imagine being uh, your family targeted and being put on trial by this piece of, shall I say, uh, you know, dark and hearted garbage, dark and hearted debased garbage for Romans one. And, and to think that you're being prosecuted with, with fake charges and trumped up charges, uh, you know, as we're seeing in Georgia, by someone the likes of this, who is so disgusting and illegal and in her personal lifestyle. And then, of course, her daddy got on the stand today. Isn't he a former Black Panther? Isn't that a communist group? Yeah, it's a black, it's a Maoist communist group that was loyal to China. You know, that's what the Black Panthers are. They're the same as the Black Lives Matter today. They're the new iteration of the same thing. But see, the, the, what I what I tell, I know watched a lot of what I watched, watched a lot of Willis's testimony, and she has got the same entitled Marxist America is a white racist country. We're going to get back against the man attitude that you see in Obama, you see in Stacey Abrams and uh, the Angela Davises of the world and the Barbara Lees of the world. This is the Marxist targeted the black communities very, very on to stoke up a big sense of grievance and entitlement. And she epitomizes that attitude. She might not call herself a Marxist, but she's been brought up in that, in that milieu and she's adopted their attitude. Very plain to see. And she's not a fit person to judge in a case with any political ramifications whatsoever. I'm not so sure, in my opinion, I'm not so sure some of these people are mentally stable. I mean, who gets on the stand and says some of the things these people say and admit that some of these things these people admit without any shame or embarrassment or as, as though well, there's anything wrong with what they're saying? This is, this is entitlement mentality. We come from an oppressed race and class. Our job is to restore the balance, to get back at the man Everything we take is ours by right. I'm entitled. We're special. Um, if I employ all my friends or my lover, that's just getting back at the man. That's our right to do. This is payback from slavery. This is the kind of thinking that is endemic in that community. And, and we, but we've got to understand it comes from a Marxist basis, just like with Letitia James. We've got to talk about, stop talking about these political prosecutions, talk about these revolutionary prosecutions, because that's what they are. They're there to further a revolutionary agenda and to stop an anti-communist president coming into office. Well, let's go to the worldviewreport.com, your daily aggregated news site, worldviewreport.com. Biden administration submits rule to force all public schools to embrace the LGBT identities. That's, that's cultural Marxism there, folks. They don't care about the LGBT community. They're using them as cannon fodder for their revolution to destroy society, to destroy the male patriarchal society, the family, the family structure, law and order, to pit people against each other and to destroy sports, uh, uh, destroy everything they can. That's number one. Here's another one. Is, this is scary. Soros, George Soros, prepares takeover of 200 radio stations ahead of U.S. presidential election. Um, there yeah. you go. 
Well, I noticed too, young evangelical support for Israel plummet. Again, cultural Marxism. This is the thesis that you and I have talked about for a long time, Brandon, that the Marxists are getting into the churches. And one of the main Marxist um, talking points is the denigration of Israel, the destruction of Israel, and the weakening of U.S. evangelical support for Israel. You know, that there's more evangelical support for Israel in America than there is Jewish support. So that's where the real target of this stuff is. So when you see young evangelicals basically switching sides and going to Palestine, that is Marxism in the churches. That's a classic example of what, of what we've been talking about for some time now. On my radio show today, I did a whole segment, and we're going to be doing some programming on how to organize neighborhoods, uh, how to organize your HOA, how to organize your city, your town, because I believe that that's what we need. We need people to realize we're headed toward massive conflict in, a, in the U.S., and I'm sorry that's going to happen. It's not going to be by us. I believe we're headed for like an October 7th event type event here in the U.S. by the red-green axis. Why else are all these Islamists coming here? Why are all the CCP coming here? Did you see the article by Gordon Chang again this week showing pictures of CCP guys that have showed up, military-age male, no identity, no job, no nothing, but boy, they have a semi-automatic and they're practicing. Where'd they get the, that from? At the rifle range, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that'd be your top priority if you're a real genuine refugee, wouldn't it? Yeah. You'd want to be getting a job and some clothes and a place to live first, but that's already organized for them. They're here. These people are not coming here to go to Vegas. They're coming here to create chaos. And that could happen tomorrow. Well, let, let's be more specific. What do, you mean, what do you mean by chaos? Well, I, I'm talking about um, poisoning reservoirs, blowing up bridges, assassinating public figures, um, creating biological weapons attacks, even dirty nukes. Who, who knows? You know, we've got where it's, yeah, we got Russia, China, and Iran, and North Korea all looming for the kill on America, some degree or another. And people from at least three or four of those countries are now in America, welcomed and expedited by the Biden administration. Look, anybody who talks about the stupidity of the Biden administration is missing the point here. This is a deliberate takedown of the man's own country, because. Biden is not loyal to America. He's loyal to someone else. And they want to take down this country. Look, we've got to apply Occam's razor here. What's the simplest explanation of what's happening? We've got a mass, mass stupidity in the Democratic Party, or we have Marxists in the Democratic Party who want to take the country down. What do you think is actually more logical? Exactly right. Exactly right. TrevorLoudon.com. TrevorLoudon.com. Let me show you the page real quick. TrevorLoudon.com. You can pick up his awesome books there when you visit. TrevorLoudon.com. There they are. And there are all of his wonderful books. I hope you'll buy them, support what he's doing, and get educated, folks. TrevorLoudon.com. Coming back with a weekend show. People have been asking where he's at. He's coming back with a weekend show. He's just very busy traveling, folks. Trevor Loudon's still in the fight and still with us at worldviewtube.com, worldviewtube.com. Trevor, thank you as always. Appreciate you. Always a pleasure, Brandon, and thanks to all the listeners out. Thank you, Trevor.
All right, joining me now is Dr. Mark Miller. He is the formulator for about 30 years now of Bella Grace's Elixir Collagen, AstraZenthin, Cat's Claw. He joined us. This is our second time to interview him. Oh, we got a lot of great feedback, and I have a lot of questions because I've been taking Bella Grace now since December 2nd. I want to see what he says about my results that I now have that I didn't have so much as when I interviewed him last time. Uh, Dr. Mark Miller, welcome back to the broadcast. Thank you for joining us. Be here. Thank you for having me. Glad to have you again, my friend. All right. So let me tell you real quick some of the th benefits I've received. You tell me what you make about it, okay? Here's, here's one. My hands normally are cracked and bleeding horrifically every winter for years and years and years. Cracks, bleeding, seams, thumbs. Uh, I get blood on my tie, my shirt, my dress pants, and my sheets at night. No more. Not this year. I don't have any other reason to know why this has stopped when it's been happening for winter after winter after winter. Even sometimes during the summer, it would get really bad. But particularly in the winter, I've changed nothing. I just started taking Bella Grace December 2nd, 2024. What are your thoughts? Yeah, that's probably going to be the astaxanthin, which is this interesting carotenoid. Um, it's uh, more soluble in lipids than in water. And the outer layer of your skin is a lipid-based layer. And uh, that's useful because it stops you from melting when you get in the shower or, or other areas where you <laughs> need the barrier function. So uh, there is actually quite a lot of clinical research about hydration of the skin with astaxanthin. And I think uh, the integrity, as well as its other free radical scavenging properties, is really the uh, reason for why you've got a better uh, skin tolerance to the dryness of winter. So I thought it was the collagen. You're saying it's actually the astaxanthin. Probably. Uh, I mean, there's... Uh, the astaxanthin interacts with the collagen to help strengthen the matrix, but in, in, in actuality, the astaxanthin by itself is very effective for skin health. Hydration is one of them. I mean, there are other things like age spots and elements like that. But I think it's the astaxanthin that's really kicking in for you. Okay, so here's another one. What about, uh, my wife said the other day to me, a few weeks ago, hey, Brandon, you know what you're not asking for anymore since December 2nd when you started on this twice a day? I said, no. She said, you're not asking for any pepsid. I'm like, uh -huh. you're right. I don't have I don't have acid reflux and indigestion like I did. I'm telling you, doc, I, I oftentimes slept propped way up. There were some nights I slept straight sitting up, put the pillows up behind me and literally would have to sleep sitting up because I was belching up, you know, so much acid. I literally would wake up with so much acid up in my throat you know, did you, you, I don't know if you've ever had that, but you literally wake up having burped up all this acid in your throat right in the middle of your sleep. And, and I, that, that's all done. And I'm not having acid reflux and indigestion anymore. I only thing yeah, I've done that, differently is take this. Yeah. It, you know, that's a nasty condition and potentially dangerous because the esophagus is not used to dealing with all that acid. The small intestine, you know, where the, the stomach, uh, pushes your food down through is well geared for handling that burden of acid. The esophagus is not. That's why it's painful and that's why it's potentially dangerous. So um, the fact that it's actually working for that is is not actually in the mainstream of the clinical literature that's been done. 
But again, you've got to ask that question and do the trial to answer it. I would imagine that it's just really an irritability function, perhaps some inflammation, and, and that's one of the reasons why you're getting it. But uh, it's an interesting result. I have heard it before. Um, I actually have reflex, and uh, the elixir doesn't work for me for, for uh, reflex. Uh, I've got to go to other measures. But in some people, that is definitely the case. Wow, so I should be, I should be, uh, consider myself fortunate that it's working for me like that. All right, so here's another one my wife says. She says, uh, you're not snoring anywhere near the way you were. I'm like, what? Mm -hmm. I, did, I snored? <laughs> she said, oh, yeah, my friend, uh, and you're not snoring anywhere near the way you were before you were on Bella Grace. Doc? Yeah, that's another one. You're like bringing out all the sort of unusual ones. It's again, you know, there hasn't been a clinical trial, so to speak, of snoring. Um, but listen to your wife. That's always a good uh, <laughs> recommendation. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I would say that, you know, there's some irritability. Uh, maybe your snoring gets a little bit worse in the winter, perhaps because of the dry air. So that's one of the other factors. So, um, yeah. Uh, I'm not terribly surprised. I have heard of some of those recommendations, but again, you know, the huge number of clinical studies are in other areas. So you're fine tuning it. And what I about sleep? You. Is there any studies with Bella Grace and mm. sleep? About, in other words, am I sleeping deeper, which is why I'm, 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 I've cut down on snoring? Um, I don't think those two are definitely related. There are certainly are studies showing that there is an improvement in sleep. Yeah. Uh, through a number of mechanisms. Snoring is actually more of a reflection where your your lower palate, your tongue gets relaxed and falls back and obstructs the airways. It's called obstructive sleep apnea. And so, you know, one of the things is to not have that sort of fall back of the tongue. Um, I'm not sure how that sort of relates to that, um, but, you know, good for you as well. Yeah. All right, let's go to another one. Um, this is, oh, don't show my screen, guys, because I don't want to give anybody anybody away. I, I, I read this last night, but I want to read it to you and see your response. This is someone I've known ooh, 15 years, probably. And they emailed me and said, um, I'm not, uh, since taking Bella Grace, I'm not getting up during the night to go to the bathroom. Okay, now that's that's one of mine as well, okay? I was getting up probably three or four times a night to go to the bathroom. Now I get up once. Uh, this yeah, individual is saying the same thing. What's that about? Yeah, I think that's the deeper sleep. So you're getting a better quality sleep. And, you know, going up uh, for bathroom visits, it really is a decision when you're uh, um, more conscious and not in, in your sleep. So I don't think it's really affecting kidney function or prostate function or when, anything like that. I think that's a reflection of the stronger sleep patterns you're getting. Interesting. Well, which, which would be honest with you, which is why I have more energy. I have more energy now. Look, Doc, I would wake up feeling like I had been run over by a truck. I could get eight hours, yeah. 10 hours, and I would wake up feeling like I had been, you know, yeah. you know, ran a marathon. I mean, I would wake up exhausted. I'm like, how can I be so exhausted after 10 hours of sleep? You know, you'd sleep in on a Saturday or whatever, trying to catch up. Uh, but this was every day of the week. I would wake up feeling exhausted. This is not happening. So again, all I can attribute it to is I'm sleeping better, right? 
Yeah, and in fact, it may be tied into what you're describing with the um, uh, snoring as well, because that's really a reflection of potential sleep apnea. So that means that you're just not getting enough air, and so therefore you become more wakeful, and therefore you don't rest, you don't recover. So I think it, it probably is starting with a better sleep pattern, um, and that has been reported. And uh, it's an interesting finding how impactful great sleep is on your whole well-being and your day and your performance. It, it's quite amazing. Okay, so my friend is having the same positive benefit, she says. Since taking Bella Grace, I'm not getting up during the night to go to the bathroom. Okay, I can identify. Also, my hands, my hands, hmm. which have always frozen up, just been numb in summer or winter. They're fine now. They're fine now. What is that about? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's an inf inflammation driven event. Absolutely. Because, you know, the hands have to do a lot of function. You need that uh, mobility. And with inflammation, you get um, a lot of sort of reactions. You get some debris, you get some dead cells and you get a response with swelling. Uh, all of those things can be knocked down and controlled. And so, yeah, absolutely. You get better joint mobility. That's been well described. It's not just the astaxanthin, but the uh, cat's claw. I personally have done a number of clinical trials with it for joint health. So I'm not surprised by that. That is one of the big attractions. And in fact, you know, I was going to have my uh, knee replaced in 1997. I think we discussed that. We did. Um, and yeah, and uh, I went on my cat's claw, my research material. <laughs> And uh, I canceled the surgery, you know, and I actually still don't have that main ligament, the ACL, but my knee is uh, very healthy. That's excellent. Now, I have another, we're getting a lot of testimonials, but I have another mm -hmm. one that, that uh, emailed us that they were having issues with their trigger finger, you know, and, and not being able to bend it. And after a few weeks on this, they can now do that. And they're not, now they've canceled their surgery. It's like you didn't have the surgery for your knee. What, what is that again? Yeah. Again, that's really joint mobility, that's inflammation. And so, yeah, it, it's getting you back uh, in cilia decision-making to not promote inflammation, but to calm everything down and also provide some strength. You know, part of that is collagen-based, you know, uh, going into ligaments and tendons, but also all the fluid and the debris in between uh, joints. And so, uh, yeah, that's not surprising. Uh, it's always good to hear. I like to hear when people um, take my uh, stuff and uh, get better. That's well, the whole intent. Well, the, uh, the retention rate is like over 80% for the people that finally get on it and keep it going with the subscriptions, like over 80%, which to me, I love the clinical trials and, I, and that's what I kind of hang my hat on. But if people are continuing to order it every month with an automatic subscription, so it shows up at their door and that, that's a over 80% retention, Obviously, it's working for them. I don't think they'd keep ordering and paying for it if it wasn't working, right? No, and if they, uh, you know, one of the things is, you know, people like to experiment on themselves and, you know, clinical trials to the side. And they say, oh, I'll just stop taking it for a week or so and things like that. And then they get some of the old flare-ups of where they were before and they say, oh, that, that's not good. I, I, I prefer the, the younger, more functioning me rather than the the uh, old one that's actually struggling. So uh, I think that is very much a reflection of the consumer experience.
Let's talk about yep. the uh, astaxanthin. If correct me if I'm wrong, that's loaded with antioxidants, right? Yeah, actually, astaxanthin. Technically, it's a um, a xanthophile. It's a weird class of chemicals that includes carotenoids, so like beta carotene for carrots and lutein and lycopene and, and tomatoes. But astaxanthin's the 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 premier one. It's my favorite. Um, it is actually the most potent free radical scavenger that we know in nature. Um, it's about 6,000 times more potent than vitamin C. So it's, you know, there's no contest there. Um, substantially more than, you know, a large number of any other well-known antioxidants free radical scavengers. Now, now so tell it's our audience what, what, what that means uh, in yeah. layman terms. What does it mean it does for us? Yeah, so when we burn oxygen, you know, we inhale it, we inspire, and we burn it as a fuel. Uh, one of the outcomes is generating free radicals, which are these chemicals that are very reactive. And they, they like to steal electron or donate electron to something else. And as a result, that can really mess up the, uh, the donor or the recipient. And uh, it's dangerous. Um, another term that you may have heard it in, in terms of lay language is oxidative stress. And that just means that you have more oxidants being developed and created than you can handle. We have lots of defenses in our body to deal with all these ones, different defenses for different uh, oxidants or free radicals, but they can be overwhelmed. And when they're overwhelmed, then you get dysfunction. What about your, some of the favorite responses you've seen from the clinical trials, blood pressure, heart, what are some of the ones you've seen that you like the most? Yeah, so let's pick on two. We'll talk about blood lipids because, you know, we when you get your annual physical, you go and get your lipids and they measure it. But they, what they're actually measuring is the total amount of a specific protein, whether it's HDL, LDL, you know, VLDL. The error in those tests, what they don't test for is whether the lipids that they're carrying uh, oxidized or not. And when a, a, a lipid is oxidized, the, the lay term is rancid. And I've, I've yet to meet someone who really says, oh, I wish I was more rancid. Uh, I wasn't rancid enough yesterday. Um, you know, it's a nonsensical declaration. And the reason being is that it's dangerous. It's dysfunctional. And so one of the things that astaxanthin does in the, the elixir is that it protects those lipids from going rancid. They're actually transported together and uh, keeps them fresh. And so that's that's an interesting cardiovascular benefit. It certainly is a big deal. Uh, the other one that I think uh, people are finding out that matches the clinical research is your eyes. So different devices, as well as just regular light, have an impact on your vision because light is a form of radiation and the, and the eyes are actually unprotected. In the skin, you have that layer of dead cells that protects it. The eyes, you don't have that. And so any form of radiation, including light, can be very damaging to your eyes and your vision health. And um, astaxanthin is, is really a premier ingredient for making sure that you know, vision health is, is way up there. And they well, do it through... Actions like dry eyes, glare, eye fatigue, all of those elements are improved. And we've gotten 
a testimony from one of our viewers who emailed it in that they're able to see better at night when they're driving now since being on this mm. for a few weeks. Are you shocked yeah, by that's that? Kind of, yeah, there, there is. Uh, that glare tolerance is a big issue. Um, it also affects the health of the lens, and that's very much involved in uh, driving at night as well. So, yeah, I'm not surprised by that. There's good clinical research to back all that up. And by the way, you know, the devices that we use today, are our tablets, our cell phones, computers, um, emit a stronger form of light than just regular light. It's closer to the blue light. You may have heard of that. Yeah, or yeah. The spectrum. Yeah. So that's a more dangerous slide. So while I'm watching you and you're watching me, we're damaging each other's eyeballs. <laughs> well, and I'm sitting under bright studio lights, so probably more so than you. Um, oh, but, we, but we're protected, right? <laughs> So tell me about, in closing, about um, this. Have you done any studies on spike proteins? You know, there's a lot of people talking about spike proteins from getting COVID. And, you know, Dr. Peter McCullough, uh, on my news report tonight, I had a story about Dr. Peter McCullough recommending uh, a group of things that were natural, over-the-counter, that could hmm. flush out spike proteins. Not just from people getting the shot, but from people who got COVID. You can get these spike proteins hmm. just from getting COVID. What, have you done any studies? Do you have any thoughts on the ingredients in this and what it could do for those who maybe have had, like myself, had COVID three times and are wanting to flush out spike proteins? Yeah, so uh, this is an edgy subject. So I'm going to give you a sort of a blurry answer so okay. I don't get into trouble, Okay. Right? Uh, because in, in essence, you know, that would be very much a disease claim and, and, and the authorities don't really like that. Right. But um, if you do read the medical literature and look at interactions with the um, surface of certain viruses, um, there is an interaction particularly uh, that is intriguing um, with cat's claw. Uh, but we'll leave it at that because okay, we'll I don't want to get into too no, much. No, we don't want to get in trouble. We don't, yeah, we don't want to get in trouble. Now, look, finally, this you worked on for 30 years. Did I hear the one reason you had you were working on it is because the cat's claw was so horrific to drink you couldn't get people to take it. You had to find a way to make it where you could actually consume it. Is that is is that true what I've been told? No, 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 no. no uh, and in fact, in the Amazon, uh, the traditional way of taking cat's claw is a tea. It's it's rather pleasant. Okay. Actually. All right. Well, yeah, I, got mis so I got misinformation somewhere. I someone told me you had to develop all this because of how to take all this. It would be hard, hard, hard because I don't have a problem taking it. it tastes fine. It tastes uh, great. Yeah, no. Um, look, taste is a real difficult issue to meet everyone's uh, yes. needs and yes. wants. So that, you know that's a challenge. Um, you know the cat's claw for some. You know it's a it's a, a the tea is from you know got a woody type sense. You know it's a vine that grows in the in the jungle. I don't, it, I don't find it obnoxious, but it's not necessarily something you would rave about. But uh, that was one of the things that I paid a lot of attention in my journeys into the Amazon was to understand why they take it, when they take it, and how they take it. And as it's uh, a tea, that tells me a whole range of things about the chemistry because I know everything's water-soluble and therefore would act in certain directions but not others. And interesting, so the astaxanthin, by comparison, is lipid-soluble. And they approach some of the same problems, but I'm getting it from different angles. And to me, that that is insightful. It makes me a little giddy on the science. 
because I'm approaching a problem from different angles. And in that case, I'm going to get a better result. Let me read this disclaimer. Results from the use of Bella Grace products may vary depending upon the individual, and Bella Grace USA makes no representation or guarantee as to the results that you may experience. Optimal weight loss involves balanced eating, exercise, and proper nutrition. This statement has not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease, illness, injury, or other medical condition. Nothing contained herein should be construed or as nor is it intended to be used for medical diagnosis or treatment and should not be used in place of the advice of your physician or otherwise qualified health care provider. Correct? Thank you. <laughs> Any closing That's comments? long, isn't it? It is, but it's necessary in this day and age. Anything uh, else you'd like to say? Because I'm, I'm, I'm very happy with this. I take it twice a day. I'm generally very skeptical of this kind of thing. But for me, proof is in the pudding with my own experience. Exactly. And uh, a lot of people have found it as well. It's just really reassuring. It's the reason why I gave up my professorship was to connect some of these discoveries with the needs of consumers. And, uh, you know, my other experience in the pharmaceutical industry and as a professor was just going in a direction that wasn't expedient. And I love to hear all the stories about how it's making a difference in people's lives. So that do. motivates me. Very, very rewarding line of work you're in when you start getting those kind of positive feedback. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, as always, Dr. Mark Miller, thank you for being with us. We appreciate your taking time. My pleasure. Good luck to you. You too. Dr. Mark Miller checking in. And folks, if you want to order and get your own subscription, there it is. Go right here to this website, melissahousebg.com. She's the one that brought it to us, my lovely and beautiful wife of 33 years this next week. And uh, she tried it out. She said, Brandon, this is really quite good stuff here. And she started seeing some great benefits, particularly with her sciatic nerve. Uh, also, you'll, if you go to the bottom of the page, when you go there to melissahousebg.com, you'll see my first interview with Dr. Mark Miller. Also, what Melissa's hairdresser of over 13 years had to say, because, again, she's like, what is with all this new hair growth, Melissa? So you'll find a lot of different uh, interviews. This one we did with Dr. Mark Miller will be added to the bottom of the page right away. There are the science and clinical trials. Click the right button up here where it says order now. Get a box and try it. Otherwise, just go ahead and go ahead and just get the subscription, folks. Just, just go ahead and get the subscription. You'll be glad you did. I think it's a great way to support your health and us at the same time. Always interview. I love interviewing Dr. Mark Miller. He's a very easy guy to interview, and I love uh, hearing all of the uh, uh, response to the questions I ask, and uh, a lot of fun. We'll do that again. All right, that's our broadcast for tonight. As always, we thank you for tuning in, supporting us. Don't forget about going right here, worldviewtube.com, worldviewtube.com. All of our programs are archived right there for you to watch again and again. Of course, you click this banner right here, and you can watch us 24-7. We've even added a comment section, so check that out, worldviewtube.com. And uh, again, thank you for your support. Brought to you in part largely by WVWFoundation.com. WVWFoundation.com. Again, we're pushing it all out there for you guys for free. We need your support. WVW Foundation. This is one of our biggest sponsors that helps us push out programming for free. So thank you for doing that. Well, have a great weekend. Talk to you on Sunday morning for Worldview Report Sunday. Sunday morning, Worldview Report Sunday at 10 a.m. Central, right back here at 10 a.m. Central. And then uh, our Sunday night class, Worldview Weekend Hour, 8 p.m. 8 p.m. Central, Sunday night at Worldview Tube. It's our Sunday night church service. So talk to you this weekend. Thanks for watching. May God save America. Take care.